Come on, how many excited to be in church this morning? Y'all good? Y'all ready? So excited to have you here. You know, uh, a little over a week ago, we got word that there was not only one hurricane coming our way, there were two. Because how many know Louisiana does it big? Um, it's, we're not just, we don't just want one, we had two. And uh, we knew that Marco was coming through. Thankfully, Marco went back into the pool and they're playing with polo. And, um, but Laura, her, her, her she, he made Laura mad. And Laura came through, as many of you know, as a hurricane category four, 150 mile per hour winds hit our, hit our region. Two days before that happened, I get a call from Pastor Rick Julian, who's the pastor of Bethel here. And he calls me and he says, Pastor Josh, I'm new to this area. Uh, I've never been through a hurricane. I know you, you have been, and I'd like to just get some pastors together, and let's just talk about what do we do as a church. So we sat at, uh, at Bethel two nights before the hurricane hit. Me and three other pastors sat around in a room and said, this thing looks like it's gonna, coming our way. It's going to be pretty, pretty severe. When it hits, I'm just going to let you know that we're going to need a, a distribution center, we're going to need relief teams. We're going we're gonna to need to rally together. And based off of what all the meteorologists are saying, this is going to be one of the largest ones we've ever had. And, and so we said in that meeting, we are committing to taking down all of our denominations and our flags and our banners. And we're going to lift up the name of Jesus, the greatest name that is above every other name. And, and out of that meeting came what's called One Team L.A., and, and we said, we're going to just do this, do this as one church, the church, capital C church. And so, um, so of course, you know, two days come by and, and we, we get hit with this monstrosity. One of the largest, most devastating hurricanes our state has ever seen next to Katrina. Over 900,000 people lose power. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have been impacted. Many have lost homes. If you've made your way east and any uh, west, you've seen the devastation. Thankfully, Jennings was spared in a lot of ways. Um, we still have some devastation, of course, in our city and in our region. But as you as you move there, um, how many of you've been to Lake Charles and and Sulphur and Iowa and Lacassine, and you've seen it firsthand? Many people have lost homes, and we have a lot of people in our church. Not a lot, but a couple people in our church that have lost homes. Uh, and my heart breaks for them. But um, I was, uh, I, the, the day before the hurricane hit, I was, we were been trying to find this, a distribution center. We called the place that we had back in 2016 used as a distribution center. And the guy said, if you would have called five hours ago, it would have been yours. And I was devastated. I'm like, I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know. I said, guys, we gotta pray. We gotta pray. We gotta pray. The, night, uh, the, the day before the hurricane hit, uh, Pastor Rick calls me and him and Brandon Roy, guy in his church, calls and says, I think I found a place. I said, where? Where'd you find? He said, we found a place called Gwen Auctions Company. It's right off the frontage road. I'm going to go look at it now. Uh, the two owners have said that they would be willing to, to let us use this place. I said, okay, go. I, I was in Lafayette already. So we FaceTime and they're walking me around this place, 6,000 square feet. And Pastor Rick says, hey, the best thing is it has AC. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and so we looked through it and said, yes, that, that, is, that is the place. Let's, let's do it there. And so hurricane blows through. And, um, and then I, I come back that afternoon, Thursday afternoon. I rush back as fast as I could and starting to assess all the damage. And I get a call 
from my, one of my spiritual fathers, Pastor Jacob, who pastors our Savior's Church in Lafayette. And uh, Pastor Jacob, as, as only Pastor Jacob can do, said, hey, Pastor Josh, uh, I, I need you to meet this guy named Steve. Uh, he wants to come and help. He's, he's got an organization that can come and help. And I said, okay. He said, go film your church. He needs to see footage of your church. And then we're going to three-way call and we're going to talk through this. I said, okay. So I came to the church. I'm filming the church. I'm going all around and sent it to him. And he calls me. He says, all right, I got Steve on the phone. And I'm, hey, Steve. And Steve's on the phone. Hey, Josh. And hey, we're looking to send eight days of hope there. And I knew eight days of hope only because I knew eight days came to Lafayette based out of the Cajun Dome. They were based out of the Cajun Dome for the flood. So when he said they're coming to Jennings, I'm thinking, I don't have a Cajun Dome. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so Steve's on the phone and Steve, Steve's like, hey, you think you can house maybe a hundred or so people? I'm like, no, I don't think we can. Um, and, all, and as only Pastor Jacob can do, Pastor Jacob says, yes, he can. Yes, he can. He can, he can do it. Josh, you can do it. And I'm like, yes, we can do it. We'll, we'll figure it out. And, uh, and sure enough, from there, we, we said yes. We're, we're going to just say yes. And we're going to open up our, our, our doors to let eight days come in, not knowing exactly how we would house everybody. Um, but we just said yes. And within 24 hours, uh, they had boots on the ground coming. They were already hitting, hit, getting here. Bought a $70,000, $80,000 generator to power this whole building because there was no power. Um, hurried up, shifted here, got their leaders here, and we started the, the process of figuring out how this was all going to work out. And so I'm not going to share any more of this story because uh, I want to personally invite uh, Steve Tiber up here to share the rest. Y'all give it up for Steve, the founder of Eight Days of Hope. Thank you, there you go. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, come on. So the more to the story was we were in Iowa and we were deployed there in Cedar Rapids. 35,000 trees were toppled three weeks ago during a freak inland hurricane. And so I was leaving Iowa to go on a vacation with my bride and my two girls. We just finished my son's wedding a month ago, another one coming up, my daughter, in a month. And we were driving to Ohio, and I knew Hurricane Laura was coming, and it must be God because our transmission blew in the middle of nowhere on our first day of our vacation. So I'm not going to go into too many details, but when Pastor Jacob calls me at 10.39 at night, I answer his call because I love Pastor Jacob. Um, Cindy Delina uh, sits on our board, so we have a lot of deep ties with our Savior's church. I love how God connects the dots. So I'm in Iowa on one day watching a gentleman in our laundry trailer fall on his knees and say yes to Jesus because volunteers did laundry for him and they shared the gospel. And then yesterday, I had a chance to go to a gentleman's house. He's 84 years young. He's a widow. And about a year and a half ago, he had to make a really tough decision. He either had to continue to pay for his homeowner's insurance, or he had to buy medicine for his ailing wife. He did the right thing. He took care of his bride. And then she, um, she did pass a couple months after that. But here's a gentleman with no insurance, no money, and strangers show up from six different states during a pandemic. Strangers didn't show up. Jesus showed up. 
I love Josh. Oh my gosh. Brother, I know you can bring it. You can preach. But the best gospel I ever heard, the best sermon I ever heard is the one I saw. That gentleman yesterday, he saw and experienced Jesus. You know, eight days of hope, um, the number eight in the Bible means new beginnings. Our rebuilding trips are eight days long. We started after Katrina. My dad called me and I was leading a corporation in Tupelo, Mississippi, ex-New Yorker down in Mississippi. That's interesting. All my friends, you say, Steve, slow down. Um, but he called and said, hey, let's go help somebody out. The storm came. It was called Katrina. He said, let's go help out a widow, an elderly couple. And long story short, the thought, the plan to take two, four, six buddies, God sent 684 volunteers. Yeah. And in eight days, God rebuilt 84 homes for free. We weren't even a nonprofit. We were about sharing the gospel but we were gonna do a one-time trip. After that, I was driving home with my wife at the time we had three kids and I'm bawling. I see boats and trees and you know, so many people were feeling hopeless. We formed a nonprofit called Eight Days Open. That was our smallest trip. Fast forward, we've done 16 major rebuilding trips, including one here in Lake Charles after Hurricane Rita, that was number four. And number 12 or 13 was in Lafayette back four years ago when it flooded, where we stayed at the Cajun Dome. Our biggest trip was Harvey, Houston. Wait to hear this. God sent 4,692 volunteers. God fed them and he provided the lodging because we're not that good, I promise you, but he's great. And we did a baseball doubleheader. We did eight days and eight days, and there was one middle day that kind of overlapped. So we were there for 15 days. In 15 days, 808 homes were rebuilt. 239 families had brand new kitchen cabinets laid out, bought, shipped, paid for, and installed. Wait to hear this. Governor Abbott partnered with us. The Houston Astros paid for our food bill. Guess how much it cost to feed 4,692 people? Just take a guess, $161,000. That's a lot of biscuits. God provided every penny. We did about $15 million of work and hundreds met Jesus for the very first time. Interesting, Susan Dell, Jewish. She loved what we were doing and she even donated a very, very large check. So we do a rebuilding, we do rebuilding events, but this is our rapid response arm. We go anywhere in a moment's notice. So yesterday we just pulled out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And when Pastor Josh and Jacob and I were talking and I was trying to go on vacation and my van was broke down and my wife, she's a saint, pray for her, her name is Charmaine. Oh man, I'm married up. 37 years, man, I'm married up. Um, you know what? I love how God connects the dots because the minute I heard your pastor's voice, I told my wife, I said, we have kindred hearts. He's here to love and serve the brokenhearted. That's what God's called us to do. So we plan to be here to September 19th, three weeks, because that's how normally we go, long we go. But I'm going to let you on a secret. There's deep discussions that we think tomorrow we're going to announce an extension. The need is real, guys. This is not, there's no quick fix, something like this. This is a five to seven year journey. It is. I hate it, but it is. And I hate this too. The news isn't talking about it anymore. They're talking about a pandemic, an election, and some other things. And, and I'm, I told a buddy of mine, I'm going to Lake Charles in Buffalo, New York. He says, what's in Lake Charles? Didn't even know. This is the perfect time for the church to shine. Not for a name, not for a church, but for him. 
And so God's going to stretch you. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. It was uncomfortable yesterday in shorts at a house talking to this gentleman. And you guys have like these little helicopters. I think we call them in New York mosquitoes. And, and, and it was hot out and it was humid. But do you know what? These volunteers are unbelievable. You know, you guys are unbelievable. You left the comforts of your own home to be the hands and feet of Jesus. In 99 degree heat of a heat index of 115 with mosquitoes all over you and you were smiling and you were loving and you were serving. That was the church yesterday. When I went through your uh, facility, your distribution center, oh my gosh, I love logistics. If you know me, I love logistics. Man, I, I learned something yesterday. You guys were teaching us. We've been doing this for 15 years. What a well-led operation. Thank you so much. One last thing about 8 Days Open. I'm going to close. So we do natural disasters, but I want you to know, maybe praying for us is because Friday, um, late last year, God gave us a vision to launch a new arm that every month somewhere in the country, we come alongside an existing ministry and remodel, build, or renovate a facility to provide a safe house for, for those ladies who've been rescued from sex trafficking. So we've done, we've done two in Houston. Austin, Texas, the refuge. In July, we were in Buffalo, New York. And on Friday, we're going to Indianapolis. So while volunteers and leaders are here, myself and some other people will be in Indianapolis for about two weeks. And we're partnering with real, real dear, dear friends of the ministry. Frank Reich is the head coach of the Colts. Very dear friend of mine, him and Linda. And they formed an organization called Not Today. Not Today is going to partner with ADs Open. Long story short, NFL films are going to be there for the two weeks. And they're going to document the whole journey. And we've got some exciting news coming in a couple months. I'd say it now, but I know we're on the internet, so I can't. But some amazing doors are opening for Eight Days of Hope. Continue to pray for the ministry of Eight Days of Hope. We're volunteer-led for the most part. I think we have three staff members that are also missionaries, four staff members. But continue to pray for us. We love our Savior's Church. Do you know our Savior's Church is one of our ten national partners? That disaster comes or disaster doesn't come, every year, Pastor Jacob and our Savior's Church helps fund our fixed cost. So if you give us $100 today, a donation for Hurricane Laura, $100 is spent for Hurricane Laura. Our Savior's Church has partnered with us this year already on five rapid response trips. Nashville, after the tornadoes, you were there with us. Flooding in Jackson, Mississippi, you supported us. Might not even know it. We were an Olive Branch, Mississippi tornado. You were supporting us. Do you know the last three weeks in Cedar Rapids? You were supporting us. So how do we say no to a great friend in the ministry when you need help? We will be with you as long as you, want, as you need us. Um, you have my word. And down the road, when things settle down, People start figuring out what they're going to do. Insurance companies hopefully do the right thing. And the church comes up with a plan. And we would be a love to be a part of that as well. Um, thank you so much for hosting us, for loving us, for supporting us. We are better together. Amen.
Come on, one more time. Y'all give it up for Steve and Eight Days of Hope and all these guys. You know, a part of the, a part of the story, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the distribution story real quick, and then I'm going to tell you the Eight Days of Hope story. Um, the Eight Days of Hope story with them coming, you know, one of the things that we had said was how are we going to house this many people? Today we have over 100 and something volunteers that are here on the ground, and uh, our facility is not that big, and so we trusted the Lord and believed for God uh, to, to help us, and two weeks ago we had uh, a lunch for all of the principals in our parish to come and, and just to bless them and to hear their stories and just to let them know we're there to support them. Well, I'm excited to say that we put out a call to Jennings High School principal, and she said, whatever y'all need, we will help. And so all the men for Eight Days of Hope are staying at Jennings High School right now, and uh, they're, they're getting all of the, uh, their lodging is there. I mean, no, we couldn't have done that here, but God was setting it up. God was setting up what he was doing there, and uh, just within the last five days, everything that Eight Days of Hope has done, um, I got a phone call uh, four days ago from um, a, a good friend of ours that is a part of the marshal's office in Lake Charles, and he called me and said, Pastor Josh, we have over 50 marshals and sheriffs that are 24-7 helping everybody else, and their homes are damaged. Like, oh, I don't know what to do. Can y'all help? And so I went to Don, and uh, Don, who's been on the ground. Come on, y'all give it up for Don. Don has been amazing, amazing. He's a miracle worker. Uh, Don's been on the ground here leading this team, and I called Don. I said, Don, can we make this happen? And he said, Pastor, whatever we need to do. So I'm, I'm excited to say that over the last couple of days, we've had over 30 uh, sheriff's office houses get tarped to make sure that they're good, and we're still finishing up the, re the rest of those. But uh, you're a part of that, and thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for uh, saying yes and, and being here uh, in that. It's just been absolutely amazing. And I want to, I want to, I have to personally honor my assistant Lori who is taking care of all of eight days of hope isn't she the best um Amy, Amy Spadell is here. Amy is uh, a part of Love Acadiana, but she's been also another, she's been the left arm, Lori's been the right arm in everything that's going on. So Amy, thank you. Lori, thank you all for everything you've done with eight days to help them. So grateful for you. So we have eight days is going out, right? Um, and as if that's not enough, we also go and open up a distribution center, um, you know, because we go big here. And so uh, we, uh, the, a couple days after the storm hits, actually the Saturday, we come and all of these pastors that are a part of, of, of coming together, we meet at Gwyn Auctions. And we meet two guys that own this place, um, Daniel and Michael, and we walk in they don't really know us much, and we just say, hey, we're going to open up a distribution center here, and they said, whatever you need, we're here. They said, what is it going to look like? And we're like, don't know yet. <laughs> we just need a building, uh, and we're going to have trucks come on. How much trucks? I don't know. Just some trucks are going to come, and they're going to dump stuff off, and we're going to have people here in the city that can come pick up stuff, and then we're going to send stuff to affected areas, and um, they just had faith in us, and they said yes, and uh, I am excited today to tell you that uh, Michael and Daniel are here. They're back there in the back. Michael and Daniel, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Daniel, stand up. Thank you, guys. I, uh, 
I'm so grateful for these two men. Not only did they open up their, their, uh, their warehouse and their offices, they've cleared out their offices for us to move in. They cleared out their conference room for us to move in. Uh, all their warehouses for us. They put all of their stuff in the back. Um, they're putting like our logos on their build, on the in, inside, on the screens. I mean, like they're all in. Uh, they're on forklifts moving things. They're bringing stuff. They're, they're aiding people. I mean, these guys are not just, hey, you can use it and we'll back off. Like they're in it. And uh, guys, I, let, let me just tell you this, and I don't, I don't know if people have told you this enough, every time you invest in the kingdom of God, God will always invest in your business. He will always bless you, and I know you're going to reap and receive more than you even know. Um, so thank you guys for being here, and thank you for all that you've done. Over the last um, five days, we, only, we've, we opened on Monday, and uh, man, it, it is, if you have not been yet, it is the most organized distribution center I know on all of Southwest Louisiana, and that is because we have the most incredible team you've ever met that makes this happen. Everything from uh, Christy, who is running the entire warehouse, Christy and JJ, Brandon Roy, I look around here, Lindsay and Lucy and Roxanne that helped with meals and all of our staff that has been a part, all of our churches. We, every day, this is, how, this is just God. Every day, there's a church that takes a day and every day that church comes in and brings a whole 50 plus volunteers and they man that distribution center every single day. We have more, all of our distributions in Lake Charles are calling us because they need volunteers. I'm like, just get the church. <laughs> this is when the church shines and we're, we're sending people there. And I, listen, I just want to show you how amazing this has been. This is all God. Over the last five days now, we've had over 7,000 people drive through our distribution center. We've given over 6,000 meals, over 110 businesses, churches, organizations, Organizations have donated now to our, our uh, distribution center, and we've given supplies, watch this, to over 33 cities and towns all the way from Jennings to Lake Charles. That's amazing. That is all God. And I love even the best part, we're connected with Samaritan's Purse as well and the Billy Graham. Billy Graham's Ministries has a trailer sitting out in the front and is doing free counseling for people as they're driving through so they can get prayer and counseling. And so all of this is happening uh, through the church, you know, as you do that. And uh, it's just powerful. It's a powerful thing, which, by the way, just to let all of our OSC know, tomorrow, Monday is OSC day. It's our day please show up. <laughs> uh, we need you tomorrow for sure, but uh, I am just so grateful for the team. I'm grateful for uh, our staff and all of our, our, um, our people that are a part of our church that are helping and all of the local churches around here. You know, as I said, we've been in this series talking about stop going to church, and for those that are new here, most of y'all. Um, we, we talked about how the church is not a special event. It's a spiritual family. That the church is, is not a hotel. It's a hospital. That the church is not a building. It's a body. And so today, uh, I'm going to wrap up. I'm just going to share just a couple quick thoughts, and then we're going we're gonna to eat like Cajuns today. Did y'all see that and smell that when you walked in? For those around online, we're feeding all of eight days of hope jambalaya. Come on. Uh, wish I had some boiled crawfish for you, but we don't. I'm sorry. So, um, but today, we're, I, I want to talk about how the church is not an audience. It's an army. You know, uh, over a month ago, we planned this series and worked out everything that we were going to share. You think that might be God? <laughs> think, you just think maybe? 
that today we're going to send an army of hundreds and hundreds of people that are going to go out to our, in our community today, this afternoon, to go be an army. And, and I, want, I want to share a couple thoughts with you about how the church is not an audience, it's an army. Now, I'm going to show you a couple differences between an audience. An audience is a, is a people who go to a church. An army is a people who want to be the church. Uh, let me show you. I'll, co- I'll show you a couple things here. The difference between an audience and an army. First thing is this. Can you put that up? That an audience seeks comfort and safety, but an army takes risks and makes sacrifices. And all of you in this place have done that. You're taking risks and you're taking sacrifices. Let me show you what else. An audience, as well, is all about the leader, but, but an army is all about the mission. Come on, how many know it's not about one person? It's about us doing the mission together, on mission together. John 14, verse 12 said it this way. This is what Jesus said. These are red letters. He said this, I tell you the truth. How many know when Jesus tells the truth, he tells the truth. <laughs> I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. Come on, everybody help me with this. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Have you ever read that verse and thought, how am I going to do greater works than Jesus? Anybody walked on water lately? No, nobody? Okay. Anybody raised the dead lately? No, nobody. I haven't either. All right. Anybody multiplied some gumbo, you know, something? I don't know. No, I mean, I, I haven't either. So I'm thinking, how in the world are we going to do greater works than Jesus? That seems absolutely ludicrous. But then you realize that because Jesus rose from the grave, ascended into heaven and said, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit to you. And the same spirit that lives in me is now going to live in you. Watch this. Now, because the Holy Spirit lives in us as followers of Christ, now multiply that times millions and millions and millions of people. How many know we can do greater than Jesus corporately than Jesus could do individually? Jesus could only do so much when he was here by himself, but how many know when he fills his people and says, now the same spirit that I have that's in me is now in you, and now you go. This is the power of the church, that the church now is a corporate body filled with the spirit of God that steps into uh, a broken world. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Did you know that 40 miracles in the book of Acts, 40 of them, there's 40, 39 of them happened outside of the church. 39. The miracles that God has called us to perform do not happen inside the church. They happen more outside the church. We are an army that God is deploying into his mission field. And so let me give you three thoughts today, and then I'll wrap up. Number one is like an army, the church has a command and a commission. The church has a command and a commission. Let me, let me show you Jesus' last words, final words. If you imagine if you've ever been around someone on their deathbed, maybe a grandparent or a, or a parent or whoever, you've been around someone and, and, and they're there sharing with you. Whatever they say in those last moments, you take those words like they are gold. These are the final words of any person that wants to tell you what matters most. And here we are, Jesus, with his final last words before he goes and ascends into heaven he gives this last moment to his disciples the most important thing he could ever tell them and he says this in Matthew 28 18 he says this Jesus came and told his disciples I have been given everybody help me with this all I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth therefore come on say it again therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey 
all the commands that I have given you. Now watch this. And be sure of this, that, everybody help me. I, I am with you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Have you ever thought of someone who, who shares Jesus with people as just kind of like a super Christian? That person who can like just talk about Jesus to everybody, like that's just like a super Christian. That, that is a super skill set that that's there. But do you remember that in this, that this scripture tells us that he is giving us a command and he's giving us a commission. Can we just for a moment, you have to take, take the context in. Do y'all know who he is speaking to when he says this? His disciples. Do y'all know anything about his disciples? Were they, were they the most skilled? No. Were they the most educated? No, they were by no means. Actually, Acts tells us they, that they were like common, untrained men. You know what they were? S- school dropouts. Okay, that's what these guys were. I mean, these guys were, were the base of the class. Come on, anybody, anybody just skim by in school with that D? You just slid in? You got through? Okay, welcome to Jesus' team. All right, he's got you. He's on it. And Jesus is telling these guys that are not educated, they're not the most popular, they're not the most wealthy. These guys are the really just what everybody looks past. You got a, a tax collector on the team that nobody likes. You got fishermen that people look down on. I mean, the, the people on Jesus' team were definitely probably not the people we would have chosen for our team. And think about this for a minute. Jesus is now commissioning and commanding the least of all that region to go and do the most impossible thing. Go into every nation and tell people about me. These weren't influencers. This isn't like Instagram influencers, okay? These are fishermen. But he, he says this, but I'm going to give you a command and I'm going to give you a commission. And he begins with this and he says, all authority that I have, I'm giving it to you. And then, and, then, and then he gives the command in the middle, go and make disciples and go teach them and baptize them. And then he, he puts another thing to encourage them on the end. And he says, hey, by the way, you're never gonna be alone. I'm always with you. You have all the authority you need and you have all of me that you need. What else do you need? Now go. Come on, how many know we can't sit there and tell Jesus, I need more education, I need more stuff. He says, if I've given you authority and I'm gonna be with you, what else do you need? And God has called us as an army to go forth and to do this. And he gives us this command. He's authorized us. He's equipped us. He's, he's called us. And, you know, I, um, who has kids in here? If you have kids, just raise your hand. Kids, okay, we're praying for you. Um, that's why y'all are on the trip. Okay, so <laughs> I love my kids. I, love, I have three boys. And, you know, I, as a dad, I have to tell my boys to, to do things around the house. You know, go, go clean your room. Go make your bed. You know, make sure that you do that. So I want you to imagine that I tell one of my boys, hey, I want you to go, go clean your room. And, you know, 30 minutes go by, and I step into his room, and his room is still filthy. And I go, son, I, I thought I told you to clean your room. And he goes, dad, I know you did. I know, I heard you. You said, go clean your room. Yeah, so, so this is what I did, Dad. I heard you say, go clean your room. So I came to my room. I thought about it. I prayed about it. I called my friends, and we talked about the, the deep meanings of what does go clean your room mean. We, we exegeted it. We got the Greek of what clean means, like to, to scrub and polish. And then we got the Hebrew for what room is, like the place that I dwell in. And we, man, we talked all about it. Dad, I just know. Go clean your room. You told me. But I didn't tell him to do that so he could learn and study it all. I told him to go do it. How many know there are way too many Christians that are talking about the Bible but not living the Bible? Let's go not talk about it. Let's go be about it. 
I know way too many Christians that can spit out as many scriptures, but they don't live it. But how many know as an army, an army doesn't need, just need to know how to use the weapon. They've got to get out on the field and be able to put it to work. And that is what God has called us as his church, is to be an army that goes and puts it to work like an army. Number two, like an army, the church has a mission. The very first time the word church is mentioned in the New Testament, guess who it is mentioned by? Take a guess. Anybody want to take a guess? Not Paul. What? Nope, not Peter. He's a really, really, really amazing guy that we all love to worship. Okay, okay, just want to make sure. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, all right. Hey, by the way, if you're ever in church and the pastor says who you think it is, just say Jesus. It's never wrong. It's always right, you know. To Jesus, yes, okay, all right. It's always right. So Jesus is the first person who ever mentioned the church in the New Testament. And he, and he said it right here in Matthew chapter 16, and this is what he said when he described his church. He says, and I will tell you that you are Peter, and on the rock I will build what? My church. Hey, by the way, the church that you go to is not your pastor's church. It's God's church. This is God's church. Every church that, that, there, that there is is his church. Now watch it. This is so huge, though. And the, what is this? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And here's where I get so excited. Because if you know anything about gates, gates are not offensive. Gates are defensive. This is what this tells us, ready? I've always thought that, that this verse was just telling us that, that, he, that hell can never come and penetrate into the kingdom of God. But it's not saying that. It's saying that the kingdom of God is called to penetrate into the places of hell. That, God, that it is the gates of hell that cannot prevail. How many know that Satan has tried to put gates around sectors of our community? How many know during COVID, he was trying to put gates around his church? He's trying to put gates to divide people. That's what gates do. Gates divide, gates block. But I am so grateful that God's church can penetrate the gates of hell and come into the entertainment center, come into the field, come into the athletic arena, come into the financial arena, come into the education arena. And how many know the, the devil's greatest fear is that someone full of God would walk into an arena and be full of him and get past the gates and affect that area. But how many know we, we have the keys God has given us the authority to step into whatever arena that we're in. Hell does not want God's ministers in it. And the church for too long has been playing defense when he's called us to play offense. God is calling us as the church to play offense, to walk into regions and areas. And that's what we're going to do over this next couple of months and maybe even into the years is coming into our neighborhoods and going, God, you've given us this neighborhood. When you go onto a job site in these coming weeks and you're meeting with families, realizing like, God, you don't just have me here just to rebuild and, or to relieve and to cut trees and to tarps, but God, you have brought me here because this person needs the hope of Jesus. And so the enemy has tried to block us out, but it's, the church has a mission. And lastly, is that like an army, the church must go. It's gotta go. Luke chapter 17, Jesus, this is one of Jesus' last prayers for his church, and he said this in verse 15. Jesus says to his father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Watch, watch what it says. Just as you, what's his word? Sent me into the world. I mean, no, Jesus was the first ever missionary. He was the first missionary. I mean, no, Jesus' home was pretty good. Okay, worship, angels all around you, no sin, all right? It's amazing. 
He comes, steps out of heaven, comes into a broken world. He's the first missionary ever. God the Father sends his son Jesus into the world. But look what he says about us. Just as you have sent me into the world, I, this is Jesus, speaking of his church, am sending them into the world. It's time for us to stop going to church. It's time for us to be the church. God has sent us into the world. Jesus was not praying, I hope they get saved and hurry up, get to heaven. He says, I hope they get saved and then they go right back into the place that they used to live, not for me, and bring people to me. I pray that in this moment, ready, watch this. The success of a church, watch this. Many people wanna know, how big's your church? How many people you have coming to your church? You know, and pastors always want to brag about, you know, I got this many people that come to my church or, or even pastors that don't have a big church and feel deflated. And I like, I, don't, I just don't have that many people that come here. Watch this. The success of a church is not based off of its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Amen. Can they go? Can they be the church? Because I'm going to tell you, God is way more impressed with a small group of people that sit in a church and then go out and be the church than a large church where people just come to church but don't go be the church. Are y'all with me today? This is what God is calling us as a church. When you hear the word mission or you hear the word missionary, oftentimes we think of someone we go and support or, or, or a trip that we go on and then we come back home. But can I tell you today that if you are a follower of Christ, you are a missionary. And guess what? Tomorrow, you're going to your mission field. Now, many of you here, you're on a mission because you're here, you're not from here. But when you go back home, you'll be back still in mission work because guess what? You still got to go to work. Come on, how many got people at work that need Jesus? <laughs> a boss? Okay, no, don't raise your hand. He might be watching, okay? Maybe a home, neighborhood, school. God has called us to, to step into this world. You have been sent. And in order to reach people that no one is reaching, you've got to go to places that no one is going. And that's what I love about Eight Days of Hope. You step in as sent ones, called out ones, to step into places where many people don't want to go, many people don't want to do. But I want to end today with this last scripture, and I pray that this is a scripture that all of us live by, and that is in Isaiah, says this, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. That was your moment. Okay, I was just, it, was, it was that moment, right? I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a chance, we'll do a duo. Here, I'm, here am I. Send me. Send me. Send me. Thank you for answering this call. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I pray that you don't just answer it at eight days hope missions. But I pray you answer this call every day when God calls you and says, who am I going to put in my workplace? And you go, God, send me. Who am I going to put in this school that's going to represent me? God, here I am. Send me. That we would be open and say, God, use me powerfully. Everybody listen to me. I am not the smartest guy. I did not go to college. I, uh, I've been 20 years in ministry. 
The only reason I can stand on this stage is because God doesn't look for ability. He looks for availability. And if you will just say yes, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. Come on, how many of you just want to say yes to Jesus? If Jesus says it, I just say yes. And I, and I want to call out to all of our OC family that are watching online as well. This is your opportunity to say yes to minister to your neighbors like never before. This is your opportunity to, to reach out and minister to people like never before. God, give us eyes to see your people. God, give us a mouth to speak when you call us to speak, but give us hands and feet that will help and go to where you've called us to go. Father, in this moment, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you that you loved us enough that you sent Jesus here to come and to live a life that we couldn't live and he died a death because he loved us so much that he took our sins, took our shame and he took our guilt and he rose again from the grave to give us life. So today we are reminded that there is something so much more than just this life. God, you've called us to live a life fully devoted to you because you lived your life fully devoted to us. God, we make a declaration today that if you're calling us to go, we wanna go. If you're calling us to help, we wanna help. If you're calling us to speak, we wanna speak. Our ears are open and our eyes are open to what you're doing in this region. I pray right now for every person that is here. If you're uh, with Eight Days of Hope, I want you to stand, if you don't mind, would you stand? And we wanna pray a blessing over you over these next days and weeks as you come. And uh, OSC family, all our prayer team, if you're just here, if you just mind walking around and just, just praying for and with these people, and, uh, and then we're gonna end this service in just a minute. But God, right now, we pray for every person. If you're online, come on, I just want you to join with us as well. We're gonna, we're gonna believe, God, we just thank you. Thank you for every person right now that is here, that has said yes to come and to serve. God, I pray, Lord, your blessings upon them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use them. I pray that you would keep them safe. I pray that you would protect them. But God, I pray right now, as they pour their life out, as they pour energy and their strength out, God, that you would refresh them. Your word says that those who refresh others, they themselves will be refreshed. God, as I pray, as they are building your house, that you would help protect and build their houses. God, I pray right now that there would just be divine moments. Pray that you would use them. God, I thank you, Lord, for all those that are even here that are a part of our OSC family. And those, God, that are even watching online, refresh them, be with them. God, we pray for those, Lord, that have faced major devastation. We pray that they would un understand experience the hope of God in this time. May they know how much you love them. God, I pray that you would use them. We pray all this today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you receive fresh strength today, say amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus some praise today for who he is?